Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Michigan Avenue Media and the World of Ink Network. This podcast was founded in 2011 by Marsha Casper Cook and Virginia Grenier. Their focus has always been on helping writers reach their dreams by having informative and entertaining shows. You will also hear the latest information on what's new and exciting in the publishing and marketing industry. And the shows will also cover discussions on screenwriting, audiobooks and movies. New to the shows will be the latest style and trends in fashion, as well as nutrition and how Pinterest can add just the right spark of attention you may need for your projects. So, sit back and relax and enjoy the show. You can find out more information about our shows and being a guest at www.michiganavenuemedia.com. Hi, everybody. It's Marsha Cook, Marsha Casper Cook. I should say that myself, but I just really Marsha Cook. Anyway, this is going to be a great show on love and romance, and we have two really good authors on, and we're going to talk about a lot of different subjects. And um, we have uh, Jean Jokeman. Did I say it right? Jean no matter what. I wrote it and I phonetics I still can't say it. Okay. And Catherine Grant, okay. And um so uh today's gonna be well it it's gonna be on a lot of different, you know, subjects about the Regency, uh historical and um it's gonna it, you know, it's it's a genre that I've not written in and I'm also interested in it and so today we're gonna talk about a lot of different things about the genre of the in the old times, I just call them old. It's really not good to do that, but it's like Bridgerton, Outlander, all of these different types of things that are out there now, and they're very, very popular. So these two authors will be discussing a lot of different things that we don't talk about on other shows because this is a really kind of a very different market. And so, Catherine, why don't you tell everybody a little bit about yourself? You've been on before, and you are yeah, an editor yeah. and an author. So, all right. This is your genre special, I know. Well, thank you for having me back. Um, I write Regency Romance. I published my first book in January 2020, and now it's 2021. (laughs) And I have um, a complete series, The Countess Chronicles, that is three full books and one short story. And they all take place in Regency England. And I am actually um, giving away the, the first book, The Ideal Countess, for free to listeners today. Um, so I'll, I'll give you this link at the end as well, but the link is bit, B-I-T dot L-Y slash Marsha Casper Cook. Um, and so you can just go there and you'll get your free download. Okay, you know what? Okay, and also text it to, you know, uh, message it to me and then I'll add it to the page. And Jean, text me a link that you want also. I'll put them on the page after okay, the show's great. over. We'll okay, well, that's good that you've asked me in one of your links. I I'm honored for that. I'm not usually <laughs> in a link except the ones I put out. Okay, Jean, okay, this is a new genre for you. Uh, you're very successful. Um, you have a lot of books. You've been on the show several times, and now you've entered a new phase. So tell us about it. Well, actually, it came from um, reading a newspaper article. There's a place where I was spending the summer about old boarding houses up in a place called Long Eddy, and during the logging days, um, in the late 1700s. And so I went with a friend to nose around and, t- and take a look at them because I thought that was really interesting. And I love the area. It's uh, up in the, the um, 
near the Delaware River. And so we were up there. I was there with my friend Michael, and we were <clears throat> driving around. And we saw these boarding houses, and we stopped up there and had lunch. We were talking about it, and I said, gee, we ought to write a book about it because he's a big historian. And so two years later, last summer, it, the time was right in the middle of a pandemic. We were up there, and so we did. We um, we worked on it together. Most of the writing was mine, but Michael supplied all the history and corrected me on all the facts. And it was just a story that kind of evolved, and it takes place up there in the logging days of the colonial period in America. See, boarding houses, to me, it's it's such an interesting topic. I really want to write a book like that because my grandmother, when she came from Russia, she lived in like a boarding house, you know, where um, that's how she got, yes. you know, to America, you know, and um, it was the eight, late 18, I don't know, it was, yeah, it was um, 1900s, but it was a very interesting time, I thought. Yes, and we you have, know, there's a boarding house in the in the book. Yeah, because I just so, thought, oh my yeah. God, what is what is a boarding house like? I mean, because it's a, I I think that's a great setting, so I'll have to check your book out because I think that's such <laughs> a interesting. You know, just thinking about who lives there, who lives in the boarding house, right? You know, right? Yeah, and I think I saw something a while ago, and they and I don't know what I was watching, and they said and it was newer, you know, it was like now, and they're going there in a boarding house. I'm going, hmm, maybe I should just do it because I something about that, you know, you just want to kind of know who lives there. You know, because exactly. they're just, yeah, and so that sounds so interesting. All right, you know, we don't, we, I, I know both of you have blogs, and I know marketing is so hard. And I think uh, both your blogs are really good, and I used to, I had like three or four blogs, and then I really stopped doing my blogs, but when I was, you know, checking both of your, you know, information out, I was looking at your blogs, and I think that's a really, it seems to me, a really good way to get out more than just what we can do on Facebook. And considering that I have realized as of late that most of the people I thought, which I have a lot of friends, do not see anything, I do. Because oh, Facebook yeah. is not sharing. or not, mm. And even if, and I have heard from people that, and a lot of marketers, that if you like too much or share too much, then you get into Facebook jail, which is totally bizarre. You know, oh, yeah. that's what we all do. So um, how do you feel about that as far as marketing? How do you feel? You What's the best way that you think? But I think by having a block, maybe that does work. I, you know, I used to think it wasn't good anymore, but I'm, I'm wondering because you can't, nobody's seeing things. Jump, Everything old uh, is new again. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, I mean, so I what do you think? Or, or Catherine, either one of you, both of you. Gene, go first. I don't think go. I don't think there's a magic button. I think different things work better for different people. I'm finding Amazon ads are working for my historical book, but I do a lot of of my marketing on Facebook and um, in newsletters. Newsletters work well for me, but you have to discount a book to run it there. And I don't particularly care to discount my books much. Um, yeah, you know, my I don't think three ninety nine is too much to pay for something. So. The newsletters are a little hard, but I use Facebook and, and Amazon ads and my blog. And every week I do a blog on Tuesday Tales with six other writers, and we write to a, a word prompt. So every week we're putting part of our story up on there that we're working on, which is kind of fun. So do you I'm see if people are sharing? Do you know that they're in there? I mean, can you tell? Because sometimes you can't tell anymore who's seeing anything. <clears throat> right. 
that's true. I, people who were on my feed um, have not shown up, and I've missed them and stuff. But when I run a boosted post, I can decide where you know who sees it to some extent, and, and those usually work well yeah. for me on Facebook. Yeah. 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 Everything is pay yeah. to play now. You know. Yeah, that it's probably true. That's very true. I agree with you, Catherine. How do you feel about marketing that way? Yeah, I think um, the thing about Facebook is that that is a platform that they own and you're just, you know, a visitor in that platform as opposed to the blog on your website is something that you own and you have control of. And I think they take different strategies. So for my blog, I use it as a way to drive organic traffic to my website. So all my, most of my blog posts are actually keyword focused and I'm not sending them out to my newsletter subscribers saying, hey, get to know me. I'm saying, like, here are the five best books about Dukes. And so then when someone search best historical romances with Dukes, my blog comes up, and so they don't know me, but they come to my blog, they learn about oh. what books I recommend, and then I have a call to action that they download my free short story and subscribe to my newsletter. And the idea there is then I own that audience because then I have their information and they've said, yes, I want to hear from you. So that's, that's a good my idea. Right so, now. Then, so you put other people's books on. So you add other people's books, and then oh, that's a good idea. Yeah, so that's my blog strategy. I mean, I think Facebook is still important, but uh, like Jean said, they really optimize making you pay. Like my Facebook page, the last few notifications I've gone to check, and like ten of the notifications are just Facebook saying you could boost this post and get better performance for a dollar a day. You know, I'm like, well, no, yeah. I'm not going to give you money right now, Facebook. Yeah, right. I see. That's the pro- That is the problem. I, you know, and I, you know, they've changed Facebook, and you know, and I've noticed because I've, I actually recently really noticed something because um, I had done a memorial service for Bennett Pomeranz, and uh, all his friends, I had to the people that I knew really were his good friends, and they, he had quite a bit of them. I had to go in separately and go and message them because none of them knew. Because oh, it, my post, which which I thought was people were seeing, they were not seeing. And so they wouldn't even known if I didn't message them. And so they came on and talked about him because they were good friends with him. And as it turned out, you know, even his family turned you know, came in because I put a post on his, his page and his one of his cousins came in and I didn't know if that was the right thing to do or not. I decided I really thought Bennett would like it, so I did it. And then he saw it on that page, but if I had just put it out, nobody would have even seen it. So I think that's a problem for us, all of us, that we do yes. not, I'm, you know, see anything. Right, and if you're going to, to pay to play on Amazon, you get to decide what audience you want to appeal to. And um, I find that that's very effective. And I, not the actual ads. I boost a post, which allows me to write as much as I want about whatever I'm talking about and to send it to exactly where I want it to go. For a book in Spanish, I can have that sent to people who are uh, reading romance books in Spain. And I find that the targeting is very effective on Facebook for that reason. Yeah, I do that too. But, you know, a lot of people don't want to do that. And I think that you're right. Pay, you know, you have to pay now. I don't think, yes. you know, even getting reviews is not easy. And there are services now. And years ago when I started out, you go like, oh, you can't pay for this. You shouldn't pay for that. You, sh-, you know, and everybody was in agreement with that. But right now, yeah. I think 
people, you know, how do you think people get to be really best sellers, the really top sellers? Because they put a lot of money in it. If you have a lot of money, you can right. make yourself a best seller, and right. that's really the truth. And I think that's yes. unfair, you know, to a lot of authors because then everybody says, well, they can't make any money on this, and so many people who are really good writers are stopping because they don't make any money. And that's hard. It's hard to make money right. on that. It, it, you know, it's the romance industry is flooded with authors, too. A lot of people, after Fifty Shades of Grey, decided, oh, you know, this is the way to, to fame and yeah. fortune. Right. And yeah. that's not true. And then they get into the game and discover, well, you know, it's not as easy as, as they thought. And it requires a certain amount of money, and it, and it requires attention and diligence, and you have to keep up with things. And it, it's a lot of work. It's a business. And if yeah. you don't approach it that way, you'll be disappointed. But the days, Marcia, that you and I know back in the days when the Facebook yeah. groups were all free and there were readers all over the place and you yeah. could just, you know, post your new release in, in five or ten Facebook groups and you would have wonderful sales. Those days were yeah. great, but they're gone. So there are just yeah. too many too many people writing books. Right, and I and I think that you know. So I think that my advice has been the last year, especially because people are you know reading a lot, and they're also watching TV, and that you know we just do the best we can as authors, you know, and yeah. just keep writing. And I think the more books you have, I mean, do I mean, Jean, you have a lot of books. So I do. I have that, over sixty. Yeah. Yeah. So that's a you know. That's it's very hard to do that, and so the more books you have, though, the better chance. Because if you're if they like your book, they'll go and you know. But but you know they keep looking for your books, you know. Yes, and that's true. Um, so I yeah, and I think that that's a good thing. So Catherine, I mean, you've been in this just a little while. What do you think, in your opinion, has been the hardest for you out there? Well, yeah, I mean, I think getting the sales, getting people to be aware of. The books is the hardest part. And I have read statistics that say, you know, as an author, you don't start making a profit until you have six to ten books out there. Yeah. So I'm just trying to keep my eye on that prize. <laughs> um, yeah, well, right. Um, you, know, know, but, you know, but if you're, you know, being good writers, you know, that's important too, though. I mean, you know, and liking the product that you are, you come up with. You know, and because a lot of people just throw it out there, and you know, may, some of them they have good luck with that. It doesn't work for most authors, right? You know, just throw right. it out there, but they do. Writing a good book takes time and energy, and good editing, and and proofreading, and a good professional cover, and a lot of things. Came, you know, a lot of people come in and they just slap stuff together, and oh, my mother's my editor, and my sister yeah. designed my cover, <laughs> right. and you know. And yeah. it's a disaster, and and then they they come into an author group and they go, help help, my book's not selling. Why? You know, I'm yeah. just, it's not that easy. Yeah, and I think and I think if you think you know everything, then you should get into another field because you don't. <laughs> That's the thing. You don't know. You can never know everything about this field. Well, it's well just hard. Said, well, you know, every Martha. show that I have after ten, twelve years of shows. <laughs> I realize the same thing. You just learn different things, you know, and yes. I think a lot of people unfortunately think they don't have anything to learn. So that's another yes. thing. You just have to, you know, try. This is hard. So you have to keep listening and learning and trying new things. You know, I think that that's thing. And I think because a lot of times people say, oh, the blog is no good. Uh, ads are no good. But and you're right, both of you, by saying you, it depends on the person. You have to decide right. what you want to do and try it, and it may not work for the next one. 
But exactly. this is a this field is different. So let's talk a little bit about why you like this because I think most people are like myself shy away from this. I watch, you know, Bridgerton. I'm watching Outlander. I watched, you know, Downton Abbey. I love the clothes. I like just watching it. Yeah. But I think as far as writing it, it's so difficult. So, Catherine, what tips can you give? And how do you? How did you decide that this was for you? <laughs> well, I was a creative writing major in college, and ever since I graduated, I had the sense of regret that I didn't take more history classes or maybe be a history major because every time I get exposed to a little bit of history, I geek out and I go, like, that's so interesting. I want to learn more. Right. <laughs> so um, it, it always made sense. And so historical romance is the type of genre that I was reading, too, and I was obsessed with. So it just kind of was, like, naturally what I wanted to do. Um, but then there was the fact that I've been reading a lot of historical romance, but I hadn't necessarily been researching England in Regency times because I was just enjoying the genre. So I definitely mm-hmm. have, I continue to have to do research. And now that I'm, you know, a year and a half into this writing genre, I do feel like I have a big picture understanding of what's going on. There's always something new to add to that, but I, can understand how different things that I've learned, like why were they getting new carriages and why were the carriages going faster? I understand those trends now. And so that leaves me opportunities for each book to think about, well, what do I want to understand that's the piece of the puzzle that's going to make it even more interesting to me personally as a geek. Um, so there's, it is an interesting um, tension between understanding the general history of what was going on and then getting really detailed, like, what kind of chamber pot did they use? Right, right. Yeah, yeah, because, right. And so as opposed to the writing you've done before, this is taking you on a new journey, Jean. Is this true? (laughs) must be. has to be. Actually, you know, there are some things about it that are really interesting. And at first, because I like to put myself in the story when I'm writing it, I need to feel it. I need, you know, I need to kind of be there mentally. And it was a little hard to put myself so far back yeah. in time when we yeah. didn't have this, we didn't have that, and we didn't have the other thing. So once right. I got used to that from the first book, which took me a little while, now on the second book, I'm finding that as a writer, the world has opened up to me in ways. For instance, there are no cell phones. Okay, so yeah. I can't have a plot spoiled by the fact like, oh, well, why didn't she call ahead? You know, because I know that. She, she couldn't right. call ahead. <laughs> and and right. there are other plots like, wandering into a field that's owned by somebody who has a dangerous bull or you're off gathering berries when a snake surprises you. There are things like this that happened then that don't happen now. And in some respects, the plots are kind of, they're more basic because life was more basic. And I'm finding that actually a whole lot of fun because I'm not getting caught up in all the high tech everything that you have to consider when you write contemporary. There are really a lot right, of and things I think that you're right. I think draw you up on now, but they can't back then. See, that sounds interesting. You know, you're right about that because, you know, when you're thinking about, you know, even in the screenplays that I've written before, uh, hmm. now I, I think I, I just now write in a certain time because there's no cell phones. Instead of changing them and changing the whole story, I'm just saying it's, you know, because there is so much of that on TV now that, you know, there's the 60s, the 70s, 80s, you know, there's really right. a lot now. And so it's very different. Right. And 
So you don't have to worry about that because, you know, then because what part of your brain is thinking about the part if, okay, then I have to, that person gets notified immediately, you know, if somebody's, let's say, missing. Now, you know, because you put it out and it's missing. But then anything, you can't even, if even if you watch old TV shows, you see them, it takes them forever to get a case done or whatever because they have to look up yeah. and get information. And now right. you just would get it in one minute. So right. you're and, probably and, right. I've never looked at it that way. So I think that's an yeah, interesting way to look at it. Today's world, where, if somebody tries to yeah, smear well, you well, and ruin your reputation, you know, ah, you pick up, get yes. on a plane, and move to another town. Not back then. Yeah, you're right. You were where you're you right. were, and if somebody tries to ruin your reputation, it really can ruin your life. Right. There's no Twitter, no Twitter, no. Facebook. That can, <laughs> because honestly, and that's the problem out there, because there is so much of that. And, you know, and a lot of people, I see online a lot of times people, you know, the questions that they're asking and things, you know, and they're getting bad advice, to be truthful, a lot of it. You know, on occasion, I have, when I see people getting bad advice about something, I don't put it out. I, I you know, private message them, you know, because yes. I feel like I want to say something to them that might help them, but not that I want to start a whole conversation with with everybody no. else. And and that's the same with characters. If you're, like, all right, if you, let's say the boarding house that you're at, you know, you don't have to worry about anything that's happening too fast. <clears throat> no, and different like, people come. In the logging season, my boarding house is filled with loggers. Now we're coming upon harvest season. We're going to have some itinerant people who stop by to work during the harvest season. So I, I, yeah. I can change who is coming to the boarding house. I can have days when things are quiet and they don't have wow. to feed that many people because there are only two people there. And so right. I can vary it any way I want. I, I like that. See, yeah, I, I think to me, see, that's, you know, I never really looked at it that way, to, to listening to both of you now of how that is, you know, because I think it's all, it's very scary, scary for people to think about doing something years before because you're thinking, but the way you're putting it is seems much much more simplified is that, fine you don't nobody's going to find out stuff you know if, if somebody kills someone it could take them a long time to find somebody or if something happens to somebody mm -hmm. they may not find them because they found their cell phone and they can see where they are <laughs> and that's <laughs> that's the way it is it is hard now writing because you have to be really fast to think in your head to go like well if you say this then well then that might not work because the person would have already known that and that does make it hard for a writer to yes. make it. Catherine, you know, do, to do you find that there are a lot of people who challenge Regency facts and figures and it makes you have to be even more careful? You know, I haven't gotten too much of that yet. Um, just a couple of comments, but um, I do feel a lot of pressure to get it right that I'm putting on myself. And also um, imposter syndrome that I do not have a degree in history or research. And so, you know, I'm doing the best that I can, but maybe I'm getting it wrong. You know, I, I, know, but, you uh, know, I feel you, that a lot. You can't, you know, you have a lot of education. You went to Northwestern in, in Illinois, oh. you, know, in Chicago, you know, in Evanston. So that's a really good school. Yes. So, yeah, but I, I mean, think so you shouldn't doubt yourself that much. You shouldn't doubt right. yourself that much because no. you went there that's not a place right and i gets i in. think it's, it's more about you don't have to have 
the training necessarily and how to handle a, you know, rare documents so much as you need to have critical thinking to understand what you're reading and is the history that you're reading actually unbiased if it's not, if it is biased, which all history is, then how do you make sure that you're getting as much of an understanding of it as you can? Well, maybe though, maybe in an easier way to look at it, like let's say Bridgerton or all of, like Outlander, any of these ones that are out there, they're not actually accurate, are they? I mean, you know, Outlander, I mean, right. you know, I just started watching it. It's kind of like, well, you know, it's, it's hard to watch, you know, not, you have to really, this is one of the things you have to watch. You know, we usually talk, and a lot of people have talked on my show about the fact we have movies that we watch, and then we have movies where we could do other right. things while we're watching. <laughs> but there, you know, in, in these type of, you know, series, you have to watch these. You can't oh just goodness. fool around because really? you won't understand. I can't take my eyes off Jamie for five seconds. I don't know. <laughs> I think you make a good point that Bridgerton especially is very much a fantasy of history and not based in historical accuracy. I think I come from it as a child, as a girl growing up. I loved to read the Anne Rinaldi books and Dear America diaries. And there were all these historical fiction series that were mm-hmm. very character based, but they were teaching you history so that like, when someone says, mm-hmm. well, you know, when was the Great Fire of London? My first thought is, well, the diary that I read of the fictional girl was 1655, so that must be when the fire was. Um, so I think that's right. kind of the attitude that I want to bring to my romances so that, you know, I'm not necessarily trying to teach about, like, the English Civil War or anything, but right. it is accurate enough that when you think of those characters, you have something that you could say, oh, I learned something from that. Yes, yeah, and I think it's important because... Regency is a very popular um, genre, and there are some readers who are, you know, who get very fussy about it. And I, I think people have to remember it's historical fiction. Fiction. Yes. This is a story yes. that we are making up. Okay, we are not right. history professors. And so, right. if you worry about the imposter syndrome, which, by the way, all of us authors deal with on a regular yes. basis. Yes. Um, yes. Don't yes. don't worry about it. Your response should always be fiction, historical fiction, and you are entitled to do it the way you, you choose. And if they don't like it, then they don't have to read it. That's a good yeah, way to look at it. That's a, good it. That's a really confident way to look at, at anything, you know, and well, because you can, be, you can be destroyed by a few bad reviews, yeah. you know, and people, yeah. this is a big problem because people are very, um, they're, they're, well, they, you know, they like to criticize. Let's just put it that way. <laughs> There's a lot of people out there that like to do that, which is why, okay, I know we wanted to talk about one thing that I don't want to forget because it really is important, audiobooks. Uh, I oh, talk yeah. about this a lot, and I love audiobooks. And a lot of people on the shows I've had, they really don't put their books on audiobooks. And, but I, this is a good thing. The thing about audiobooks is you don't have that problem of someone saying, oh, you know, maybe they needed a comma there, or maybe they didn't spell that right, or they you made some mistake. In an audio book, yes. all you are is hearing it, and it's really good tool because you could listen anywhere, and you 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 know you don't have to. It, I, I just love it, and I think that one of the things I found it is not that easy to sell audio books, but 
they have a, a site called free free codes free dot com, mm-hmm. and you can put your books on there if they're on Amazon, and then uh, Amazon will, um, and then you're on there, and then it, I think it's fifty dollars, and you can put several books on, and then what you do yeah, is I'm not on, you, you give them I'm the not code. I'm on Amazon. You, oh, you're not. Nope, I'm on, I'm on Findaway, so my books are very, very, very uh, okay. wide. Yeah, so, right. So, all right, if you decided I mean, I to put codes. a book on I can get free codes a, from Findaway, but not Amazon. See, because Amazon is so, I mean, the reason I signed with Amazon was, you know, which was several, many years ago, I think it was six or so, You, I signed something for seven years, which I never signed. I do not like signing agreements. Yeah. I hate it. And I'm always very yeah. cautious. But I figured if Amazon goes out of business, then we're all in trouble. So I figured <laughs> I could do it. So I signed up. And if your book is on Amazon, Audible does give you free codes. Right. And so the free codes go into the system and there's when you read the directions on how to do it and if you call up you can find out and but you do get all these free codes and then the author still gets paid for free codes it's not like when you do kindle unlimited where when you put your book for free you get nothing you know your book go ahead the codes you give to listeners so they can redeem your audiobook for free yeah they get them for you Okay, I'll look into it. Yeah, go into audio, right. Um, if you go into freeaudiobooks.com, um, audiobook codes, because you get codes. Right. Everybody gets codes, and they have now a system where it comes on the Excel, and you just they'll tell you what button to click, and it automatically goes on all the free promo. And it really works cool. good. And because yeah, I started to do that, and then I started selling. Because... It's not the same as when they do the Kindle Unlimited because you don't get paid when they you have free books. Right. And right. that's the one thing I keep doing it, and I you know because for my children's books they're really hard to sell, and so I do that with the children's books, the uh, Unlimited, and I so the numbers go you like you're selling crazy, and then the next day. <laughs> It's not. It's like you're right back where you were. And so I try in my head not to keep looking at what it is because I try to tell people on the show, don't keep looking at the numbers because you know what? It it's really it, you can you'll end up stop writing for a lot of people. You cannot look at the books right. again. You cannot wonder how some people got seven thousand reviews and you have ten. You know what right, I mean? Right. It, I, it's really I have hard. a way of I have a way of making. I I make. Kindle Unlimited work for me, and the free books. Right, so how do you? Yeah, how does it work? Well, first of all, you have to you have to sync your books. You are, are you writing a series? Now I am. Yes, now. All right. The back of this your the book, first one. especially the book that you're going to make free, you put in the first chapter of the next book, or in one of my books, I have chap first chapters of all the other books in the series. But okay. if you're on Kindle Unlimited, mm. you put the first chapter in the back of that book. And with it, you put a, a link, a buy link. To uh-huh, it. When okay. they finish that chapter, you say, you want to keep reading? Buy the book here. Ah. So when okay. you make the book free, it's it's not about, I mean, the thing that surprises me is when I make a Kindle Unlimited book free, I end up getting a whole lot of page reads, even on that book. 
And that, I don't know how that works, but it does. So I, yeah, I don't know either. Uh, yeah, I know theory. it does work. You know, and I don't, you know, I know that. And I think most people, most of us do not, you know, I think a lot of people pretend they know what they're doing, but I'm admitting. I Sometimes I don't know because I, they keep changing things, even on Facebook, and I'm going like, right. do I not know this or does this, you know, and a lot of things we don't know, and that's what the right. problem is. And so we'd well, like I, to, I I'd like to hire somebody that knows react. everything, but there's nobody that does. No, but it's really important to keep meticulous records. I have Excel spreadsheets, and I write down my sales and my free downloads every single day, every single day. And I look at those. So it isn't the free books. No, it's the books, the other books in the series that I get page reads on and sales on when I run a free book from Kindle. I will run the first book in the series free and then wait a few weeks, and I will run the second book in the series free. That's it. I don't go beyond hmm. the second book. And I, I, it works extremely well for me. And all of my Catherine, books in Kindle Unlimited are sync. They all have the chapter from the next book in the back of the oh. book. And that hmm. makes a huge That's difference. Yeah, that is interesting. Catherine, that but would work for you. Somebody, well, my, I don't like free books. And most of the time, free books don't work for me. Yeah. Um, except in Kindle, Kindle Unlimited. Well, I did I did one once. I had 500 downloads on a free thing, and I got not one single solitary negative review. I said, no, no, this is not possible. People who get free books love to say something bad about it. I didn't get positive <laughs> reviews. I didn't get negative reviews. Well, that's I said, good. Well, you know why? Because people took the book, but they don't read it. People don't really read free books. No, that's very true. <laughs> that is true. That's, that's you charge the 99 cents and they'll I, read it. Yeah. But free, no. But in Kindle yeah. Unlimited, it's different because that's the first in the series and all of the series is in Kindle Unlimited. Then from a, a reader's perspective, if the first book is just free, they know that the rest of the books in the series are also in Kindle Unlimited. So to them, all of the books are free. So they they get the first book, and then they go on to read the others. The other thing to do in Kindle Unlimited is to put your books in a box set, okay, and then mm-hmm. um, promote that because for every book somebody takes, they can only take 10. If mm-hmm. you have 10 and you want another one, you have to give one up in order to get that. So they can mm-hmm. read all of your books, and it counts for one book if it's a box set. So you're giving them, if you've got four books in the series, you're giving them four books for what they would otherwise only get one. And then, of course, they're going to go through, and you're going to get four times the number of pages read. So you really have to have the figures and analyze this stuff. So Um, if you get pages read, does that mean you get paid for it then? Yes, you get paid for every page read. Yes, you do. Oh, really? Hmm. Yes. Interesting. I think yeah, I might have heard that, quite... but I might have forgot. I might have really forgot that. Last month, oh. I had a, a, a very large number of pages read, and it, and it brings in a very nice income. So yes, that's what you're really looking for: pages read, and you need ah. to keep keep track of that. Mm. Interesting. Oh, I, I'll tell you, this is like you know. And so a lot of times, then I just go like, you know what? I don't really care. <laughs> just forget i'll just this is what i'll put all i'll post everything out and hope that it works out because honestly this does get so time consuming and but gee yes. you write a lot so you must t- so you're very organized in what you do in that way right 
Yeah, I'm a marketing person from way back. So when I look okay. at these right. figures, they mean okay. something to me. I understand what's going on. Hmm. Catherine, so does that help you? Is that an interesting <laughs> concept? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm familiar with Kindle Unlimited. I'm pretty committed to a wide strategy where my books are available on multiple retailers, which ex- makes it impossible for me to be in Kindle Unlimited. But it is right. a really interesting business model that I think of as similar to how, you know, Spotify for music is changing how artists get paid. And I think, right. um, you know, we'll probably see a lot more change as business models. So Spotify, you can, you can make a bookstore on Spotify, right? I don't know. Well, I've never heard is, of that. I think there's. I think, so, I, think, think so. I saw something come up where you yes. can make put a store front, but it, I, I don't know if it works for books. Maybe it doesn't. There's something I saw that came up. I, there's so many things. Mm-hmm. I, you know, I'm sure mm-hmm. both of you get too. There's so many things you go. Oh, I think I'll look at that, and right. then you go, and then you don't right. because we get so, things Ka- constantly. Catherine, and, you and can th- think your books. Um, if you upload your books on Kobo and Apple and. Barnes and Noble separately. You can sync your books by putting the le- the first chapter of the next book at the end of that book with a buy link in the Kobo book to the next chapter on Kobo, and the same with. Oh, I see what with, you mean. With yeah, uh, right Barnes now and I Noble have them. Apple. Right now I have it so that it it syncs them to my website to the landing page for each book. But I I see how it would be more powerful for each retailer. Are you on Smashboard? Take them Are directly to the retailers. I guess what happens at the end Smashboard. of your book. People want to keep reading. Yeah. Okay, they read to the end yeah. of the book and go, oh, you know, it's yeah, over. That's a good and they really don't want to stop. Give them the first no, chapter of the book. They will read it, and then they're hooked. And then they're yeah. hooked. Not everybody, but a lot of people will go on from there to read the next book. And it doesn't cost about, you anything. It's completely free. Are you on Smashwords? No, yes and no. Not Not as much as I used to be. I have a lot of books on there, but not everything. See, I have a lot of books on there. Well, my a lot of books on there, but I don't really work it. You know, um, I think you have to really work it. Well, you can do the same thing on Smashwords, and that sync your because your Smashwords goes books. everywhere. So I'm on Smashwords; it goes everywhere because I do sell right. books on Apple and Kobo, and it does get into libraries that way, too. I think. Yes, that's why I'm with DVD, Draft to Digital, because they get me in the library. I'm on that too. Yes, I'm on that too. Yeah. Yeah. So you um, have graphs I, for all of this and charts for everything. I, I have Excel spreadsheets for every month of every year with all my books listed and every single sale and every single free download and every single page read posted. I do. That is so impressive. i got to say it's impressive because nobody, nobody well, that, do, nobody's been on has ever said any that. Marketing, Which, how can you do yeah. marketing without that? Yeah. I mean, well, I can go back it, and tell you that when I ran this book free – Wow. I got 30,000 page reads on the other three books in the series. That's interesting. So, I mean, because otherwise it's really not worth doing. And sometimes free, somebody posted in an author group that they went on um, BookBub Feature Deal, which I've done only 99 cents. I am going to do a free one, but it's a free in Kindle Unlimited. And they ran free on on book, and they got 60,000 downloads, Okay. They sold wow. 10,000 books, which was really impressive to me until I said to myself, oh, my goodness, they have 10,000 sales, but now they have 50,000 people who already own their book who will never buy it because they already have it. 
Oh, yeah. And I said, yeah. well, sometimes, you know, free may not be what it's cracked up to be. Uh, I, this Right. <laughs> this is this is one of the things. Yeah, Catherine, is there, Catherine, <laughs> do you have any questions that you wanted to ask or, you know, and I don't, you know, and that I might not have? Do you have anything you wanted to ask, Jean? Well, I mean, just on that point, I think that people who download free books are usually in a – Sometimes they're casual people who are like, oh, I like that author, I'll take it free. But a lot of times they're people who are constantly looking in various channels to get free books, like pirate channels, book bug channels, wherever they can find free books. Yeah, and so yeah. I tend to think of them as someone who will never buy my book. So I also don't really like right. I have a title that's free, and I'll probably have the first in my next series be free as something they can try out. But I don't really think of people who download free books as my ideal audience because right. and I think that they don't want to pay. Yeah. Here, I think here's an idea that. for for a uh, a book magnet for your newsletter. Take the first chapter of each of the first three of each of the three books in your series and make a chapter sampler out of it as like a separate ebook and offer that for free. Mm. Yeah, that's oh. a good idea. Good because idea. Sometimes if people read the first book they and they a chapter for the second book, but they don't like it. But maybe they like the chapter for the third book. Maybe they'd rather just skip the second book and go right to the third. All right. So you're saying take you're saying take three chapters of the book and make it into an ebook. And I actually did that on an audio. I took the first audio chapter of each one wow. of my football books, okay. nine of them, and mm-hmm. created a free audio chapter sampler on Findaway. Wow. And I had hundreds of downloads. Yes. Wow. And okay, I also so did it in, you take three in chapters e-book. of your ebook, just for people listening. Okay, so you take three chapters of, of the first your chapter book of and made it an ebook is, separate, and you loaded it. Right. You loaded it in on Amazon as a free. And then it's do you have a different cover on it? Um, actually, if you have a good cover designer, because when I've done something like this, yes, my cover actually my cover designer for the football books did do a free a different cover. But okay. ones where I have where you have a box set. If you've only got three books, you can have mm-hmm. a cover designer design it so that each of the, of the three covers appears on the cover. But just the first chapter of each book. So I I have like actually I have three books that are like my Virginia Templeton series. I have one, two, and three. But then I have them all together in a book. And I really never do anything for the ebook for the three of them. So. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know why not. Free. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Yeah. Put the chapter yeah. chapter sampler together and offer that for yeah. free and see what happens. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you don't have if you're not paying for a cover, it's already been edited. You don't have really much. To I do have covers on them and everything. Yourself. I'm big on covers. I'm big. On, I change so many yeah. different things. I, you know. Uh, okay. Yeah. yeah. Doesn't cost you anything to do that. Yeah. No. And then people can see. see. You know, they read the first chapter of each of, of those all of those books. And maybe they want to cherry pick. Maybe they like them all. Who knows? Yeah, yeah. See, I think there. I think there's really. It's very interesting to hear all this because there really are different ways that people can do things. Yes. I think you know, and I think you just have to try and fit what you want to do. But while you're doing that, you still have to keep writing because I think um, you can't get back down with all of this because then you'll never write another word. You know, because that right. does happen to a lot of people. They are so busy marketing that, yes. you know, and we all like marketing, but, you know, that's one of the reasons we talk about this a lot on the show, you know, especially when you have, like, so many books that you have, 
Jean, you know, of how you've done it over the years, yeah. you know. Yeah. So, it um, does happen. And I think, it does take yeah. over. It does. Yeah, it does, you know. So, Catherine, um, let's talk about clothes for the books and how you make mm-hmm. the wardrobe for your characters. <laughs> okay. Do you look at well, pictures, uh-huh. or how do you do that for that? Because, you know, it's a different genres, you know, than we usually, I, you know, on the show we talk about. So how do you decide on the clothes that they're wearing? Because it's so important in these yeah. type of books. Yeah, um, I laugh because clothes are, like, my weakness. <laughs> so um, <laughs> even, like, in modern times, I could not tell you what kind of fabric I'm wearing. I, I really just don't understand it. So to, when I'm writing, I do look at, um, fashion plates. There's a really www.regrom.com, and it is just a resource for Regency researchers. And mm. every week there are different things that they post, including like what's fashion it called? Plates. Red, what's it? Red Reg R E G R O M as in Mary. Dot com. Okay. Oh, okay. And so I look at those fashion plates to kind of understand how people would have described what they were wearing and what it means to be wearing an evening gown. But for me, I didn't really get it until I started rewatching like Pride and Prejudice, BBC Mm. and other period dramas, because then I had the vocabulary and I was like, okay, I've seen these fashion plates. And then all of a sudden I was like, oh, I understand what it means when they're wearing a turban. So um, that's how I do it when I'm writing. And then for the covers, I use, for the most part, I use periodimages.com, which has a lot of stock images of um, wow. period-appropriate uh, cover models. And so I send those over to my designer, and she, you know, does what she needs to do with them. I, it, it was very difficult. For my most recent book, The Husband Plot, the hero is um, of African descent from Jamaica. So he identifies as black, and I wanted to find a model who identified as black as a male, inappropriate regency clothes and there are not very many stock images out there for that so the one that is on the cover who's amazing i mean people well you think now with bridgerton we think with bridgerton it might be a different now you know hopefully it will be changing because obviously we don't want to be using the same stock models for every single cover and the, the problem right now is that there just aren't enough heroes who are black in romance and you know in the bridgerton books that hero is white. It was a choice that the um, Shondaland producers made to make it more mixed race. Yeah. Hmm. It's interesting to about the you know that you that you look for this for fashion. How about you, Jean? What? How do you feel about the fashion and what oh, you're, you know? Yeah, unfortunately, my stuff is is pretty simple. Dressed a lot simpler than they do in the Regency period, and I'm almost sorry that, you know, logging didn't happen later in, in the um, 1800s than it did because it's it's much more restricted in the late 1700s as to what people wore because these were not wealthy people. You know, our wealthy people were in Danbury in Connecticut. And some yeah. of the people who pioneered out to the west in New York State did not have a lot of money and did not have a lot of access to things. So they dressed, you know, very simply. Um but I did manage to have Grandma put some pull some old dresses out of her trunk <laughs> when I needed from her from her youth when she lived in Danbury. So um, you have to have some of that and slippers because you know the women want to know. I like to dress a man in you know black velvet trousers to the rich man in town and and that kind of stuff in breeches. But yes, and it's fun. And I've done a lot of research on a lot of research on the 
clothing of that time period because I'm just not familiar with it. And right, really I, that's why I'm asking because I think that's a difficult thing. And you really, you know, because people really, you know, when they're reading books, they, you know, they see the characters this way. Yes. How, yes. how about names? Lot... How about how did you name the people? The same type, you know. How, how did you feel about oh. that name? I went to my my friend Michael and I said. What names did they use back then, Michael? He gave me a long list, and I picked the ones I liked. <laughs> yeah, there were yeah, a lot of what about online you? resources. How, how did you, you get Google, your like, names? Most popular names in yeah. England in 1700, and you get a whole list. Yeah. Yeah. The other yeah. thing I do is when I'm reading primary sources or if I'm reading, like, newspaper articles, I take note, particularly for the last names, because the first names – People kind of just use the same names over and over again, like George and Charlotte. But, you know, the last names are all over the place. And so um, as I read newspaper articles or primary sources, I just have a list where I write down last names that I think would be interesting to use so that when I'm drafting, I can just go to that list and pick. That's a good wow. idea. Yeah. I use a lot it of is, uh, It is very names. different. It seems like a good yes. challenge. It seems like an interesting challenge to... It's um, Yeah, yeah. Especially when you. The other thing a is, there were books. a lot of, there were a lot of crazy nicknames back then. So, really? you know, I know yeah. a, a nickname for Mary was Polly. A nickname for John was Jack. And um, for a project that I'm working on right now, I named the hero, heroine Rosalind. And as I was researching that name, a lot of people nicknamed Rosalind as Lolly. So I'm playing wow. with that because I think it's really fun, and it's kind of. <laughs> similar to when you have all these titled um, men in Regency romance, you know, Vcounts and Marquises and Dukes, like they wouldn't go by their first names. They would go by their title if they had received the title or they would go by their last name if they didn't have the title yet. And it gets really confusing. So I, I find it fun to play around with who calls a single person what and what does that mean about their relationship. Wow. Yes. Yes. I have my character's often call each other Mr. and, and Miss and Mrs. And, um, because things were just more formal then. And yeah. so I don't have, you know, when they get to know each other better, then they can use the first name. But when they're not well acquainted, it's, you know, Mrs. Austin and Mrs. This. And a lot of my last names come from England because at that time, colonial period, you know, was mostly, um, you know, stocked by a lot of people from the U.K. But... I did discover that in the logging business, there were a lot of Swedes that came over and worked as loggers, which who knew, you know? So yeah. I have a couple well, of Swedish names in there. <laughs> it's so different. Things you find I mean, out. Yeah, it's such a different genre, you know. Uh, it's You know, it's, it does sound like a big challenge for people if they've never tried anything like that, you know. But it's, you know... I think if if it does loosen up a little and people aren't that because I think you know from as I said before you know from watching some of the things I think people you know and like what you said Jean is that they realize this is fiction you know and that that's really hard you know because a lot of times when you're writing fiction of any kind you know this is fiction so you you know yes. you say oh it can't happen but oh yes it could happen especially when you're watching TV now with all these new series. Sometimes you watch something and you go, I can't even believe they did that. I can't even believe I watched that, you know, because, but we're watching it, you know, and we're seeing things that we've never seen before and going, we're just glued to it. You I know, and then at the end, people aren't that happy, past, though. There's a truth that you can't get past in writing 
a good story, good story. That's and the name of the show. If, that's the name of my show. The, You're right. <laughs> that's you know, really the, the name of the show. Or yeah. not, right. If the details are not always correct or she's wearing the wrong color or the wrong style, if it's a good story, it's a good story, and people will watch it and read it and buy it if it's a good story regardless of, of what little things, you know, it wasn't really like that, well, so what? It's a good story. And I, I think that that still holds true and that as writers that's what we need to really focus on as yes. much as possible is the story. And you're right. You know, I had a manager years ago, and that's why the name of the show, when I first went on Red River, it was called A Good Story is a Good Story, and it still is. I still sometimes mm-hmm. use that because he took, my manager said to me, listen, he goes, because that's why I did all these screenplays, he goes, just write a good story. A good story is a good story, and that's right. I, I do believe that, and sometimes you really have to keep saying that to your head. Is right. Just write the story, and that's why I'd say a lot, and a lot of people say, oh, I, you know, maybe I add too much in in my shows, but I have to. I've done this for 25 years or so, and so you have to add the things because after years of this, I've learned a lot of things, and the truth mm-hmm. is you have to be happy. That story should be a story that you enjoyed writing and and when you get to the end, you have a beginning, middle, and end. And if that's one of my problems is when people start reading like a chapter, they go, oh, this isn't a great story. You need to finish it sometimes, you know. And that's mm-hmm. the problem with series. You know, they'll go, oh, I don't think I like this series. They've watched one of it. But sometimes it takes a while. And now yes. the way it is with writing, they wanted to just – like when I was an agent, they used to go like, okay, it has to pop off the page for your client. Well, not every story does pop off the page because when you are done with that book or or screenplay, whatever, you should say, yes, this was a great story. And so right. that's what counts. But we right. don't I mean, Pride that. and Prejudice is, is the perfect example of a good story. You know, I, mean, yeah, I don't know how, what, I assume it was all accurate because it was written at the time. But I don't even care because it's such a good story that doesn't make yeah. any difference to me. Right, and there so, are a lot of historical know, details that nobody wants to hear, like yeah. the teeth situation, the smell situation, the outhouse situation. Like nobody wants to get into that. Right. Yes. See that, yeah. I think that's, that's something to remember while you're writing, you know, is the things that you need to get into and these are things you don't get into. And the reader is smart, and they figure things out. Right. You know, and you have to believe that when you're writing, you know, that they will understand it, you know. And sometimes, you know, that's a problem because when you're really looking at a lot of reviews, they don't – it's not – it's very hard to write the description and make people really want to buy that book. And I know people say, oh, yes, it is. It's not that hard, but I think it's very hard because a book, like a lot of times, even in a romantic comedy or whatever you're writing, you it you can't always in one paragraph describe everything that's going to make your book good or, no, you know, or the you, story you, good. It's a teaser. It's advertising copy, Marcia, and it's that's a all. teaser. Right, exactly. I leave that's it with exactly a question. Right. I, I limit it to 150 words. And I want to do everything I can to to say who's going to win, who's going to do this, or who's going to do that, yeah. and leave it as a cliffhanger. And hopefully that'll make somebody want to read the book. Yeah, That's all I, I think I that do. right. These are all the little tricks that you know that people, you know, after a certain amount of years, you figure out. And sometimes people figure it out at the beginning, you know, which is really good. Yeah. But it's really hard to 
know everything and, you know, think of everything oh, while yeah. you're writing the book. So when you are writing it, just make sure you have a good story, you know, and if yes. the story is good, it should work, you know, but not for yes. everybody. That's the thing. It doesn't work for everybody, which is another thing, which is, you know, how to, you know, but when you're in the the kind of genre that the two of you are, that's a, a genre in all to itself because a lot of people will say they won't read that and which is not which is why I like to have shows of every genre horror genre and every cuz it's just stories you know and it right. limits if you limit yourself you know when I first started say, publishing my romances I felt a lot of trepidation to tell people that I was publishing a romance and I would kind of be like you know I get it's not your cup of tea you don't have to read it and so many people that I didn't expect like men in my life including, yeah. like, my uncle, were like, you know what, I actually like romance, I just don't talk about it, so I'm going to read right. the book. Good for him. Yes, you do. Right. I've gotten a lot of flack from people, you know, and I just sort of, I just, and then when I say something, I say, oh, oh really, did you read Pride and Prejudice? Yes. Did you like it? Yes. Well, that's a romance. Yeah, see, oh. that's the thing. That's the thing, the genre, exactly. And I was surprised a lot of times with when men when men read one of my books and they really like it, and I'm thinking, like, great, you know, because yeah. that's the thing. You shouldn't limit yourself to your audience, you know, no. and say this is just for men or this is just for women. And, you know, a lot of times, you know, as we know, we don't know if some of the authors that are out there are men or women, depending the name. It doesn't matter. It's a pen name or whatever. Right. You know, you just – and, you know, I have stories like that. And actually my new one, it's it's all about love. It has – that is a theme in it because there's a lot of men that write for women and women that write yes. under men's – I wrote under a man's name for years when I did my screenplay oh, really? thinking – yeah, I wrote under Max Irving because I thought, and when I got an option, I had to um, say my real name because you can't sign anything. But, right, you know, right. I did because I felt like uh, that men, you know, they, it was a police story, it was a police story that I had written, and it was a thriller, and mm-hmm. I thought, well, the women, they would think it's better if a man writes it. And so yeah. that's, a, that's the problem. It's the audience, you know, and mm-hmm. you can't, and you always in your head are thinking, who is your audience? But Sometimes you don't know, and that's right, Catherine. That's a good thing, is that you don't know who's going to read your book and like it. Yeah. And it's always surprising, you know, and that's why, you know, now there's no book signings or things like that where you can go, but it's so interesting when people you meet will be talking to you about your characters. That's like the best thing any author can ever have. I mean, we all love it. There's nothing better. All right, so... Is there anything that either of you would like to talk about before we end the show or something we'd missed that you'd like to talk about in this genre, which is such a popular genre? I think it's going to be more popular than ever because I see what's been coming on. Oh, yes. Bridgerton is really giving it a big boost. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And Netflix is really, you know, and if either of you want to come on any of the shows, you know, I'm going to have shows, you know, over the year coming, you know, coming up. On Holly, you know, my Hello Hollywood show has that, and we're. I'm, I'm. I had one. The first one was the other day, last week actually, and I'm going to be deciding which ones people want to talk about, so we can, you know, limit it. Because the first one we were just kind of all over the place deciding, you know, what the authors, you know, what the not authors. There, excuse me for saying, because I want people that are not only authors on this, because I want to hear what everybody else thinks. You know, people that come on my show are mostly authors. But I'm, this show is open to anybody 
that would like to come on and discuss. Nice. So if the two of you, if there's things you want to be on or a, a show that you'd like to talk about, the shows like Bridgerton or whatever, I'm going to have shows every two a month, I think, I'm going to, because I think it was such a fun show to do. So if there's things that you want to talk about with other people, uh, just let me know, and then I'll get, you know, we're going to have a few people each show to talk about certain series. Because I think now we're all watching more than ever. Yes. Yes. Absolutely. That sounds like and, fun. Yeah, it is a fun show, you know. So um, both of you, will you send the link, you know, send me your links, and then I'll put it on, you know, for the show page. Yeah. But uh, what are your last words, Jean, that <laughs> you'd like to say? Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, To anybody listening out there about what they can, you know, how to help them out, because you know, people really need help when they're listening to shows. They they like to hear keep, other yeah. authors talk. Keep, keep reading and 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 write nice reviews. That's all. Oh, that's a good <laughs> that's thing. All that's a good thing. Yeah. <laughs> and right, and if you take a free book, the right might be nice to, to review it. It might be a good yeah. thing. But that's not happening, so, you know, which would be really nice, you know, because yes. the authors really would appreciate it. And I don't really think people understand how much authors would appreciate a review. Right. No, they don't. No, and I think that's a hard thing to, you know, and I find it difficult to ask people for reviews. You know, yes, it's, I, it's a very it hard thing to do, but I think... That those that get a lot of reviews, they they're not afraid to ask. Apparently, <laughs> apparently, <laughs> they get them. Right. So uh, that's do. a good way to look. Right. Write reviews. Okay, <laughs> Catherine. Yeah, I agree with Jean. Keep reading. And speaking of free books, go to bit b i t dot l y slash marsha casper cook, and you'll get my first book for free. Okay. This is this been actually some very good ideas here. I have notes. <laughs> I have a lot of notes. I take notes. Well, you know, how else do you learn? This is a good thing. Right, We're exactly. not born knowing how to do everything. That's for sure. All right. Thank you all. And next week is uh, thank you Children's so much. Authors. So we'll have a good time with that. And so everybody have a good night. Thank you so much. Thank, thank you, you both of you for being here. I you, appreciate Marcia. it. Thank it was a great you. show. Thank you. Bye. Take care. Bye. Bye-bye. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.